Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. All right, are you ready for the Bible? All right, I'm going to open up with Proverbs 4, 23. It says this, above all else, would you say above all else? Sounds pretty important. Um, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we're so thankful for the opportunity to gather in your name to worship you um, with our voices and our hands and our song and our hearts and our minds and just to worship you and Lord, you are the guest of honor. This is your house, and we are proud to say we are your people, and um, we want to hear from you today. Speak to us, Lord, out of your word to every heart. I pray for the empowerment, the leading of your spirit, God, to impart what's in your word. We love you, and uh, we depend on you, and we're just ready to hear from you. We love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all, God is after your heart. He's not looking for control. He has all the power he needs, right? He's not looking for robots um, because he can make whatever he needs to happen, happen. It's not difficult for God to do things. He's not up there going, I've got a lot of restraints here. And, you know, I, I just, I need, I, need, I need workers. No, he has all the power. He is after your heart because he wants to be in communion with you. He, he's looking for a real relationship with you, not just an outward conformity. He wants to be close to you, but he wants that closeness to be real. Amen? And this, well, this Proverbs, Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Your heart is a critical component of your inner being. Um, out of your heart flows your attitude. Out of your heart flows your outlook on life. Out of your heart flows the love that you are able to have for others. And so um, we're going to do a a short series um, called Guarding Your Heart. And uh, I've got four guard your heart uh, statements, and we're going to talk about two of them today. And the first one that we're going to talk about is we guard our hearts from the control of sin. Would you say control of sin? We guard our hearts from the control of sin. You're like, first they're talking about budgeting. Now they're talking about sin. You're in the right place. Um, let's go to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5. What I love about Jesus is Jesus would get to the heart of the matter, not just the action of the matter, right? So he's talking to, to, to Jewish uh, followers in, in the New Testament, and this is what he says in Matthew 5 starting in verse 27. You have heard that it is said, you should not commit adultery. Anybody heard that one before? I've heard that one before, right? It says, but I tell you, oh no, wait for it. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his what? Oh man. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body and to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off 
throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, Jesus is doing this kind of classic, like, overstatement of, like, he wasn't actually looking for a bunch of one-eyed followers and one-hand followers, but the principle was the same. Basically, do whatever you need to do that this is not in your what? That's right. It's not in your what? Because sin is a, it's not just an outward action. Sin can take place in the heart. It's like the little boy who said, God can think, he can hear what you're thinking? Yes. And the little boy goes, uh-oh. Again, like, God, he's looking for a real relationship for us, not just outward conformity. And that is the difference between practicing religion and having a living faith in a living God and a living relationship with a living God. Sometimes we have the concept of religion, and the actual word religion isn't bad, but the concept of being religious and going through outside conformity and things like that God is not actually that interested in just you acting on the outside like you're some great person, self-righteous. In the New Testament, he dealt with religious rulers who were that way, and Jesus was the meanest and the most harsh with people who acted religious but on the insides were corrupt. That's who he was hardest on. He was actually nicer to just flat-out sinners than he was to people who acted religious. Um. The lie that sin tells is that it can be compartmentalized and managed. Can I say that again? The lie that sin tells is that it can be compartmentalized and managed. No, sin wants to rule us. Um, It wants to master us. And it's important that we be honest about what sin's agenda is in our lives so that we understand the seriousness of it. This is what the Lord's warning was to Cain in Genesis chapter 4. Just before Cain is about to kill his brother Abel in the Old Testament, first murder recorded, right? Genesis 4, 7, God says to Cain right before the murder, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin, now watch this, sin is crouching at your door, And it's just knocking, saying, hey, just wanted to say hi. No. Sin is crouching out on your door, and it desires to have you. But you must rule over it. Like, it's not like a playful game. Kind of like, well, you know, I got this little kind of sin in my life. You know, I don't really tell Pastor Mike about that one. And, uh, you know, I got this little sin in my life. I don't really tell my wife about that one. And I just, you know, like, like I just, but I got it managed. That's a lie. That's a lie. The thing is, is that sin contaminates our what? Our heart. Above all else, guard our our heart. And what sin does is it puts self before others. What sin does is, is it puts self before God, looking away from God and putting our carnal nature and our carnal desires before God himself. Um, what sin does is it, it, it comes between our hearts and God's hearts, and it creates this separation between us and him. It's a separation that we're causing, not him. And, and we're the ones you know, who put it there, not him. So it begs kind of the question like, okay, 
Sin contaminates my heart. Sin wants to rule over me. And I, I feel like I'm going through it so quick. Like, I feel like I can't emphasize so much enough that we lie to ourselves about the power of sin in our lives. Right? And it's so important that we're honest about it. Not so that you can walk around condemning yourself, but you will not be free from something you don't take serious. Right? If we make it small, we're not going we're we're to worry. And y'all... Um, not to give the devil too much credit, but he loves the long game. He's like, oh, yeah, let's just dabble for a while, as long as I got you, right? The only one I want to have me is the Lord. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, we are in a place right now full of people, including the guy on stage, and all of us have sin things that we need to be serious about and work out with the Lord day by day and week by week. No one here is claiming to be without sin. What I'm talking about is taking sin seriously. And sin isn't something that drives us into condemnation. Sin drives us to the Lord in repentance. Really important differential, right? And so we have to be honest with it. And 1 John talks about if you confess your sins, actually before that it says, if you claim to be without sin, you are a liar. (laughs) The the Bible doesn't actually have that audio liar in it, but you can feel it. You can feel it. Then it goes on to say, but if we sin uh, that, and we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness, telling us that, you know, we all need to go to him and ask for forgiveness, amen? And part of forgiveness, part of re- repentance, I should say, part of repentance is I want to turn away from it, and I take it seriously, right? So it begs the question, okay, Pastor Mike, Thank you for just like rolling over my toes today. You're welcome. Um, okay, there's, there's some things maybe I need to take more seriously. Okay, That's, then we're all tracking. The question is, how do we be free from a sin? Can I give you, first of all, I feel like um, I'm on um, Letterman, the top 10 reasons of how you don't get rid of sin. Number one, your own strength, your own power. Seriously, it is the thing that in Christianity is often missed by well-meaning people is they think that they can just try hard and be free. There's, there's a whole Old Testament explaining that, and we talked about it last week. We can't in ourselves make ourselves good enough. We need help. Everybody say, I need help. Me too. Me too. And so... There is a way to be free from sin, and God has provided that. Part of it is your cooperation. You do have to cooperate, but it isn't your work. Do you see the difference? You cooperate. Guess who you're cooperating with? You're cooperating with the Lord. And in Romans 8, verse 5, it says this. Those who live according to the flesh, which is like the carnal nature, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live according with the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the carnal nature, governed by the flesh, is death. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Do you see the distinction? I want to go to verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if you live by the Spirit, You put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. 
You see, it's walking with the Holy Spirit that causes us to be able to have the power to turn away from sin. Galatians 5, um, and you don't, um, Caleb, you don't have this verse. It's okay. It's not in my notes. Galatians, when we wonder, like, so what is sin? What isn't sin? I kind of always, I, I think sometimes that's a kind of a funny conversation because um, some things need to be discerned, but basically most sin, like, it's pretty obvious. And that's actually what Galatians says. Um, and, and the reason I'm pointing this out is I don't think God has called us all to be sin hunters. Where we're like around going, where's the sin in your life? Where's the sin in my life? Dun, 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 dun. Like I'm hunting down the sin. No, the Holy Spirit can convict you. And the way that it says in Galatians um, is it, it says it this way. Galatians 5 verse 19. The acts of the flesh or the sinful nature are obvious. Do you know what obvious means? Obvious. <laughs> and then it gives a helpful list. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's really clear, isn't it? And it's not like hard to figure out, right? Like, should I lie on my taxes? No. But I don't want the government to have money. No. But, but what if it's just a little bit of lie and saves me some money? I'll tithe after it. No. Don't lie. Amen? So you're like, great. I'm going to the financial class this week. Fine. <laughs> going. Where's the stone throw away? I'll be at Linda's house. Make a budget. Um, what, when our minds are focused on what the Spirit desires... It starves our carnal nature. When, and I, so I would ask you today, where is your mind focused? Just to be really practical, sometimes we're tempting ourselves just with input, right? Maybe our feed is full of stuff. You know, it, it's putting it there because it thinks you want it. So like when I get something like nasty in my feed, like on, on Facebook, I hit those little three dots and I'm like, I don't want to see that. Anyhow, I get a little riled up, like that kind of stuff. That's offensive. And sometimes you want to like throw your phone away. Like, what do you think? I was looking at cars when I needed to buy a car. And all of a sudden, all this nasty stuff started coming on my phone. It was like, babe, what is going on? She goes, well, it just thinks you're a man. (laughs) It's like, I don't want this in my feed. And I I was pretty sure it was because I was looking at a bunch of cars. Anyhow, just don't, anyhow. (laughs) <laughs> didn't, mean, didn't mean to go down that. It's like, you have to be prepared for those moments when you didn't go looking for it, right? And you got to shut stuff off. You got to have something that rouses up in you that doesn't go, oh, no, it goes, no, right? Right? Like we got to create that in our hearts. Um, where, are our, where is our mind? Where is our lives focused? There's a practical part of my mind, if it is focused on the things of God, I'm going to have less things that I'm dealing with day to day, right? But it doesn't mean that the tempter isn't still there and it doesn't mean that he's still not crouching at your door. It doesn't mean that sin doesn't want to devour us, right? And so at the end of the day, the way in which we resist sin is uh, by the Spirit, we put to death the misdeeds of the body. 
It is the power of the Holy Spirit that you cooperating with the Spirit that says, no, I don't want that. Amen? There's a practical side, but then there's also the, the recognition of, I cannot do this on my own. I need the Holy Spirit to help me in my weakness. Amen? James 5.16 says this, Therefore, if you confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There is something about when you are struggling with a consistent sin in your life and, it's, it, and you recognize it wants to have me, right? There's something about sharing it with someone you trust. What's even better is share it with someone that you trust and really respect, right? There's something about bringing it out into the light that helps the secretiveness of it lose its power over you. Because what we do is we try to self-manage and try to get it under control in ourselves. And I'm just, and I'm going to tell you, like, like, accountability and being honest with a brother or being honest with somebody that you really respect can really help you in that area because there's something about that confession that's good. Don't find someone who's going to shame you and beat you up or try to teach you out of sin or those kind of things. You need to find someone who's going to say, well, I'm willing to walk with you. I love you, and I know that God wants you to be free. Amen? The confession breaks the secretiveness of it. And that secretiveness of it is the enemy's plan for your life, not God's plan. Amen? Some of y'all are like, I ain't going to tell anyone. Just tell me how that's working for you. Seriously, secretiveness has its own power, right? And this stuff isn't easy, but the, the, the power, God has the power for you. Amen? And you're not meant to walk alone. I want to cover one more area with you today. Again, Proverbs 4, 23. Let me, let me close that section by saying, if there is an area in your life where you're like, yeah, it wants to own me, I just want to encourage you, like, run to God and say, God, forgive me and cleanse me. And you go, I've done that before. Now run to him in desperation and just say, God, I really need your help. I've done all, I've tried to handle it all these ways and it hasn't worked. Help me. And, it, and if he puts somebody in your heart to share with, be, be courageous and do it. Amen? But this, he has paid for your sin. He wants you to be free from sin. Amen? He doesn't want you to carry that around. Um, Proverbs 4.23 again says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I mentioned I had four guard your heart statements, and this is the second one. We guard our hearts from the can- contamination of criticalness contamination of criticalness. I want to take you to Numbers chapter 11 for a moment. Numbers chapter 11, they were like, man, it's a lot of Bible today. We in church, let's do this. <laughs> Numbers 11 verse 4 says this. Now, and let me, let me tell you what's happening. Is, um, this is the section of scripture where Israel has come out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt and Moses is leading all of these people and they're eating day by day this manna. Uh, it was miraculous provision that would fall from heaven each night. And uh, on the sixth day, double would fall so that on the seventh day they could rest and they had enough food. Because you had these people who were literally wandering around in the wilderness. So there needed to be provision for them in this season of their life. And so there was this manna, right? And, um, you know, like a lot of us, like they, they just kind of got a little tired of eating the same thing. But they're, they're tired of, of, of eating the same thing. um, turned in their mind from um, a, well, I wish I had some more food to a criticalness 
and a longing for the slavery that they had. And this is what it says. Numbers 11.4, the rabble with them. You know, it's not good when it talks about the rabble. The rabble with them began to crave other food and began, uh, and again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. Amen. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never, we never see anything but this manna. Now, here's the problem. They're longing, oh, we used to eat for free. You were slaves. You had no money. You had nothing. You were ruled over and worked too hard and treated with disrespect. Oh, but we ate fish. Like, you, you see, like their mind got messed up. And they, their criticism and complaining was turning their heart. And the challenge was at this point, they had been whining to Moses a lot. And so Moses, their leader, he kind of got himself in a state too. Verse 13 says, where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people myself. The burden is too heavy for me. This is how you're going to treat me. He's talking to the Lord. This is how you're going to treat me. Please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. Moses is having a bad day too. He's like over it. And he's, so, and he's frustrated. So now the people have a contaminated heart. Moses has a contaminated heart. And so Moses replies to the people in verse 18, the latter part, it says, now the Lord will give you meat to eat and you will eat it. <laughs> you will not eat it for just one day or two days or five days, 10 or 20 days, but for the whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you will loathe it because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? Like this is, this is going down. And so what happens is the Lord answers their prayer. Watch this, verse 31. Now a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail from the sea. Ooh, quail, we like quail. It scattered among them up to two cubits deep. Y'all, there was quail like three feet deep, up to three feet deep around them. The Lord takes this wind and makes all like this massive flock of quail come and it just covers everything on the ground. In some places, it's three feet deep. Be careful what you ask for. All around the camp, as far as the day's walk in the direction, all the day and night and all the next day, the people went out gathering quail. No one gathered less than 10 homers. Uh, then they spread out among all the camp. So basically, God said, you want meat, I'll give you meat. And just like, gives them too much. The thing about complaining is it is like the brother of criticalness. And what will happen is, and I don't want you to like look at someone in the room. I don't want you to think about the relative that you just like had Christmas dinner with, but we'll hide behind statements like this. This is, this is how criticalness becomes an institution in our heart. Well, I just say it like it is. Y'all are like, I know who that is in my life, right? Well, I just call them like I see them. 
Meanwhile, our hearts are contaminated, and we, we begin living life through the, this negative lens. Um, and the reality is we need to ask the Lord for a better perspective. We need to ask the Lord for his perspective. Because, see, what's happening is our heart is suffering. Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it everything flows from your heart, right? And what's happening is now, like you could do your, we do our day-to-day things, and that criticalness has a, has a hold on our heart, and we can't even enjoy the good things in life because that, of that mindset that has set upon us. Um, many of us, honestly, we get angry and upset about things we cannot control, Right? Like, man, that makes me so angry. We get angry and upset about things that don't even directly impact us. Um, Have you considered that maybe the enemy is goading you? Maybe he's making sure that you just have a good feed. You just got a good feed of the things that get you riled up, and you're living in a state of criticalness. Now, I'm not saying that we all need to, like, live in a, a state where we don't we're not real and we're not honest about things that are negative, but sometimes we use that as an excuse to have a heart that's contaminated. Now, if you like staying angry, I've got some coaches coaching for you, right? Watch a lot of news. You, you can just stay angry watching at every injustice and every problem. And it's not that they're not real, but if you like to stay angry, people have got problems that they would love to share with you. Um, you can, you know, the news will, will curate problems for you, curate things to make you angry. I think it's important that even when we're watching news, I watch, watch news every day. Like, I, it's not that I want to be unaware. But one thing I listen to is, are they trying to make me feel something? Are they telling me that I need to think something? And I guard my, my heart from, from that kind of thing. I, I want to know some facts. I don't want to be unaware. But I don't want you telling me how to feel. I get that from him and his word. Amen? The antidote for complaining and criticalness is thankfulness. That's the antidote. It's hard to live as a critical person. It's hard to be a complainer when you're thankful to the Lord. It's just hard. I don't know about you, but I got a lot to be thankful for. He could never do another thing for me. I got a lifetime of things to be thankful for. We celebrated communion today. We celebrated the forgiveness. We got plenty to be thankful for. I don't even have to go look for stuff. It's plenty to be thankful for. Thankfulness is a decision. It's a heart decision. Psalm 9.1 says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. Come on. I love that statement. It's not... I, you know, I just feel like it today. I think I, I feel like I'll give you thanks. Say, no, I will give you thanks. I will. My will is making a decision to give thanks, and I'm going to do it with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. We've got a book full of them. You have a life story full of them. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praises 
of your name almost high. You want to build a nice guard around your heart? Let that be the thing that comes out of us in the mornings, right? Let that be the thing that, Lord, I have a reason to give thanks today. I will give thanks to the Lord for this is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. Even though I'm not looking forward to what's happening today, I've got a meeting I'm not looking forward to, things I'm going to rejoice because I have the Lord in my life and I have a reason to be thankful. Yes, there are terrible things going on, and yes, it matters, and yes, I care, but I'm not going to get critical and I'm not going to start complaining and start letting my heart get contaminated because that makes me less useful to Him and makes me miserable for other people. I will rejoice. For some of us, we need to practice that when we complain, we just need to follow it up with some thanksgiving. And I would just double up on it, right? You complain about something, on this drawer never wants to work. Lord, I thank you for a washer that works. And I thank you for the electricity that feeds the dryer. Like, let's just like get our, let, get our mouths and our hearts repeating some of the good things and get us out of the pattern of complaining and criticalness. And give thanks to the Lord. So today, our couple of statements were, we guard our hearts from the control of sin. The second one, we guard our hearts from the criticalness or the contamination of criticalness. Um, Today, I want to tell you, like, if you're here today, I want to tell you the most important decision you'll ever make in your life is the decision to follow Jesus. It is the game changer. I know you've heard a lot about Jesus today. We talk about Jesus, but he is our hero. I want to tell you today that he loves you and that there is a standing invitation for you to be in his family and that he cares about you. We talked about it today. He gave his one and only son to make a way for you to be a part of his family. He wanted to give you the gift of forgiveness. Not that you'd have to earn it on your own, but that Jesus would pay the price for you. And I want to tell you today that if you haven't done it in your life before, today you can receive Christ into your life. Not, there's a difference between I believe and I have received him. And that's a natural step for everyone. When I was an atheist, I didn't believe. When I was an agnostic, I was close to believing. Then I came to this point where I was like, oh, I think it's, it's really real. And then was the moment where I had to say, Jesus, I give my life to you. He has given you the right and the privilege to give your heart to him. He's not looking for robots. He's looking for a relationship with you. And he loves you. He knows all the sin in your life. He still loves you and wants to redeem you. He knows every fault you have. He still loves you and wants to forgive you. He knows all your strengths and all your weaknesses. He wants you in his family, and he's passionate about having you in his family. And you can today, February 4th, 2024, say to Jesus, today is the day that I say, you are my master, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, God, you are my Father. Today, I turn my life over to you. I want to tell you, if you've never had that moment, or maybe you've just walked away from it, and you're like, I need to come back to him, I want you to know, he is ready for you. He's really ready for you, and he really loves you. And I would invite you to invite him into your life today. And if that's something that you, you feel like I want to do today, I would just love the privilege of getting to pray with you today. 
maybe you're online or listening to a podcast, you, you need to do it, uh, go to our website. We want to reach out to you. And if you go to victorychristian.church, victorychristian.church, if you click on next steps and just fill out that information, we're going to reach out to you within a day or two and um, answer any questions, pray with you. We, um, we're passionate about people having that opportunity to have their life changed by Jesus. Amen? Would you stand with me today? You know, um, the message I brought to you today about guarding our heart, it is for us, it's not against us, right? I'm not trying to like be the sin hunter and beat you up about your sin. No, we're trying to say, let's take sin seriously and ask God for forgiveness, amen? And when it comes to criticalness, comes to complaining, we're not, we're, we're not trying to beat you up today. We're trying to offer you freedom today that that's not good for your heart and your heart will have a lot more fruit in it if you are not complaining and critical, amen? So let's just take a moment. I'm going to invite the prayer team now to come forward um, just so that when we close, if you'd like prayer with someone, come up here. Maybe you need a miracle in your life, something. We got people who will pray with you and stand with you. Um, we're here for you today. But today, let's, let's corporately pray together, amen? Jesus, we just admit today that we need you. We need your forgiveness. We need freedom from sin. And we want to thank you that you are the way for us to be free. God, for some people in this room, they're just feeling guilty. God, you have not called us to live guilty. You have called us to bring that guilt to you and let you take the guilt and the shame off of us. You are not trying to shame us and run us away. You are trying to free us and let us feel clean and forgiven. So Lord, anyone today, God, who's feeling the weight of condemnation, oh God, let freedom come today. As we say, God, forgive us. Let freedom come today. As we say, God, I run to you. Let freedom come today. You've called us to freedom. You've not called us to shame and, and guilt, Lord God. You've not called us uh, to a place of, of powerlessness, but God, you, you have called us to a place of life and life to the full, so we run to you, not away from you. And Lord, we shut off the, the voice of the enemy who just wants to condemn and wants to accuse and just wants to run us down because of secret sin or challenges in our life. We just turn off the volume. We say, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm going to listen to my Father who's drawing me to him with his love and with his forgiveness. And God, today, um, we take complaining and criticalness seriously. Maybe there's some areas where we've had an attitude about work or an attitude about someone at work or somebody in our lives, and there's just a criticalness in us, and it's not of you. Right now, we just say, God, forgive us. Forgive us for not seeing that person, for not seeing that situation through your eyes. And right now, we give you thanks for your mercy and your patience with us. We give you thanks for the blessings in our lives, and we say may thankfulness drive criticalness and complaining out of our hearts. Forgive us, Lord. God, we love you. And Lord, today, I just pray that as we go through our week, may we guard our hearts. May our hearts be guarded from the things, Father, that would contaminate it. And may we just walk uprightly and humbly before you. You are so good and so faithful. We love you, Jesus. 
It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.com.